Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Now, nonstop sports talk continues with news and analysis from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. Not the hero we deserve, but the hero we need. This is the Big Six. It's going to be you. With your host, Jason Martin. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to be here. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. 615-737-1045 if you want to yell at me or if you want to agree with me or if you just want to have thoughts from my producer, you can do that as well. Tonight, going to be a fun show. Got Trey Wallace coming up for a couple of seconds. We'll talk a lot of alls. We'll talk some SEC. Got to get his thoughts on Jalen Hurts as well. So that's something to stick around for, plus some pop culture. To finish off tonight's show and a crazy stat about James Harden that you just have to hear to believe. But last night I spent the entire hour talking about Jalen Hurts transferring to Oklahoma. It's interesting because before the show started, I thought, yeah, I'll probably get 15 minutes out of this, maybe 20 minutes out of this. Then I looked up and the entire hour was gone. I'd taken a couple of phone calls along the way. And there was just apparently more to say about that topic than I thought about originally. Now, that's a good problem to have in this business. It's a good problem to have an opinion that can span that kind of time. But the Jalen Hurts story is just one of the many stories going around in terms of transfers. you got Tate Martell, and of course you've got Austin Kendall. And let's start right there with Austin Kendall and maybe start and stop right there. Maybe I'll talk to Trey Wallace about this in the next couple of segments as well. But with Jalen Hurts coming to Norman to play for Lincoln Riley, that meant somebody else was going to be displaced and probably unhappy, and we're looking at Austin Kendall. Austin Kendall, who's been recruited over a couple of times now with transfers with Murray, transfers with Mayfield, Oklahoma trying to get the best quarterback that they can, and they've done a good job of it, and now they've got a winner in Jalen Hurts. You heard my take. I don't think that that was where I would have gone if I were him because what he has to live up to as a passer, I don't think he's capable of living up to as a passer. Hope to be wrong incredibly impressive young man is Jalen Hurts on every level. It's a good reason to go subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Big Six with Jason Martin. Find it on iTunes. Find it on Google. Find it wherever it is that you get your podcasts. That way you can listen to this show whenever and however you want. I appreciate any second that you give me of your ears or your attention. So Austin Cable or Austin Kendall rather is able to to go somewhere, but Oklahoma early on yesterday said, yeah, but you're going to have to sit out a year because we are not going to grant you a waiver. We're going to do everything that we can because we just don't want to lose you, and we certainly don't want to lose you to West Virginia in our conference. Oklahoma folks, and you know, I've talked about Ohio State a lot. We all have about hypocrisy in college athletics, and everybody does a couple of things that are untoward if you look deep enough, some bigger than others, certainly. Oklahoma's got to be near the top of the list. 
And it doesn't just start with this and the fact that they begged and begged to get a rule change to enable Baker Mayfield to get an extra year of eligibility so that he could have what turned out to be his Heisman season in 2017. They have become the transfer to us as a quarterback, and we'll turn you into something, and we'll try to win a championship with you. That part of it has not happened yet, but they've gotten pretty close. They've kind of found their way into the college football playoff year after year, Lincoln Riley doing great work. And so if you're a quarterback where somebody else has shown up or you just haven't gotten your due, then you can go there and they're going to turn you into something. Mayfield, finally, you know, he was at Texas Tech. He played well, moved over from there. Of course, he had walked on at Texas Tech. They used that walk-on, did Oklahoma, to try and get him time and get him that fifth year of eligibility. He did have to sit out, but he did play. And then you had Kendall redshirting in 2016. He's backing up Kyler Murray, who came from Texas A&M. And so West Virginia wants to go ahead and get Austin Kendall because Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma means Austin Kendall's still not going to get to start. And so West Virginia coach Neil Brown had recruited Austin Kendall, who's from Charlotte, recruited him out of high school, and figures to have a pretty good chance, you would think, to start for West Virginia, or certainly to compete for that job. And originally, Oklahoma wasn't going to let him do it. And then yesterday afternoon, somewhere just before I went on air, they reversed that and said, okay, we're going to grant him the waiver. He can go to West Virginia. And the reason they did is because they got absolutely mauled on social media and by every journalist in the country for being as hypocritical as it gets. Not just because of what they tried to do to get quarterbacks in and then not letting them go, but just overall, it's bad faith. It's bad optics. It's bad PR. It's clearly we want to win and we don't care about what you have to do. If we can hurt you, we're going to hurt you. We're going to, by hook or by crook, do what we have to do. And Oklahoma's not new to this. When Bob Stoops left Oklahoma, I felt it was good for the program because I thought he should have been fired because of what happened with Joe Mixon. I'm not going to go deeply into that story again. You can find the video. Joe Mixon hopefully is having a good second half of you know his post-college life as he's now with the Cincinnati Bengals. Pretty solid running back in the NFL. Hopefully has put his troubles behind him. But he did knock out a woman, basically, on video in a restaurant while he was at Oklahoma. And because he was really fast and could help them win football games, they found a way to keep him on that team. And Bob Stoops disingenuously tried to explain it away and said, we did the right thing. We were giving him a second chance and all these things. But Oklahoma is the king of second chances as long as you're really good at football. D.D. Westbrook, Joe Mixon, been a number of these instances. So to find out that Oklahoma was going to be basically talking out of both sides of their mouth when it came to who we want as quarterback and how we're going to get that guy immediately. I mean, they got Jalen Hurts, and he's immediately eligible to play there, but they weren't going to do the same for Austin Kendall. Now, the Big 12 has a bad rule that's not fully changed. SEC, if you transfer, you can play in conference, and you can play immediately. And that's the rule that needs to be there for everybody. Coaches can leave and they immediately can coach. We see this all the time. We saw an Ohio State guy move to Michigan in the offseason. He's immediately going to be there. But these kids who are not even being paid for years would just have to sit there and wait and atrophy and then come back a year later. That does not need to be the way it is. And luckily, Oklahoma finally figured out, yeah, well, you know what? We're not actually going to get away with this. We thought we were going to get away with this, but we're not going to get away with this. So they got this right, and so Austin Kendall's going to go to West Virginia, and actually the report came out last night he's going to enroll 
in early classes here later this week. So he's going to be a Mountaineer this fall, as he should be. They got this right. So I'm not going to sit here and pat Oklahoma on the back because they got it right because they had to get it right because they were getting absolutely crushed in the media, as they should be, for being the most disingenuous school this side of Ohio State. And the only reason Ohio State's on that list is because of what happened last summer with Urban Meyer. And at least there is some breathing room or some gray area if you want to try and create some kind of Chinese wall for Urban Meyer and say that Ohio State did all that they could. This Oklahoma thing, they did as little as they possibly could to help out Austin Kendall after doing everything they could to get somebody better than him year after year after year after year. So I hope the best for Austin Kendall. And as we have talked about over the last couple of days, you hope the best for Jalen Hurts. The best for this show, Trey Wallace. Always good when he's on. We'll talk some, we'll talk some balls. We'll talk some SEC. We will talk more about this Jalen Hurts situation and maybe the Austin Kendall stuff. Always fun when Trey is on. So I'm going to cut this segment a little bit shorter. That way we have more time to spend with Trey from down in Knoxville. You'll listen to the Big Six. We'll be right back here on 104.5 The Zone. In Big Six here on a Thursday here in the Music City, 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us as always. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm Jason Martin. Probably should give you my name first. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Read my stuff, Big Six Blog, 104.5thezone.com slash Big Six Blog. And you can join this program or at least talk to my producer about things I'm saying that upset you at 615-737-1045. A good friend of mine from down in Knoxville. I always enjoy going on his show. Love it when he comes on. And there's a lot going on in Knoxville, in the SEC, and in sports to talk about. I bring in my good friend Trey Wallace, the host of It's Optional, down on the Fox affiliate down there. Trey, how are you, buddy? Hey, buddy, good evening to you. How have you been? It's, 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 always, it's always good to join you, man, and it seems like there's never a dull day in Knoxville. Uh, yeah, that, that is for sure. I want to ask you about Jim Chaney, and, and I had a conversation with David Ubbin last week that I want to get to as well. 15-1 Volunteers basketball. I didn't know that I would lead off with this a month ago, but they keep on winning, and they keep on doing it impressively, even if Rick Barnes wasn't thrilled that they got outscored in the second half against Arkansas a couple of days ago. But this team is so deep. They have so many things going for them, and yet there's still this same question I've had from the beginning of the season, and it is a Rick Barnes question. And it is simply that he hasn't been as successful in March, and that's when we're going to see how good this team is, and I think this team is absolutely good enough to win it all. I truly do, and last week I asked David Ubbin about it, and he had a really good answer about the depth of this team compared to the depths of, uh, of some of the teams that Rick Barnes has had in the past at other places and certainly at Tennessee, but I tweeted out a couple of days ago during that Arkansas game, if you looked up the word legit in the dictionary, you'd see a team photo of this team, and then a lot of people fired back at me and said, Rick Barnes, man. Rick Barnes, I can't buy into it because of Rick Barnes. So when you hear that critique, and I think it's a legitimate critique based on just his past history, where are you on that? No, and, and look, I, I understand where where you're coming from, and, and people would think that as well. But but this the the one way this Tennessee team has has really stood out to me has been the way they played when Lamonte Turner has returned this year. Uh, ever since he was he was getting over the shoulder issue. Uh, the way that he's been able to, to insert himself into the lineup coming off the bench, I think that's been a spark. Look, Tennessee was last year, if, if Kyle Alexander's not out, 
I think Tennessee has a very good shot of beating Loyola, and they continue on into March. But the problem is, is you know, Tennessee was miss, missing a piece or two last year, and, and I think this year the biggest thing for them is they do have the the depth coming off the bench. I mean, at times if you need it, you can even throw a Jalen Johnson in there or a Derek Walker. I think the biggest thing that you're seeing so far this year is, you know, the way Bowden and the way Lamonte and the way Bone have, have taken over the games when it comes to actually running their position. And I think that's been huge. I mean, Lamonte Turner had 21 the other night. And, and look, that's surprising to some because of just everything that he was going through. I, I When you look at this ball club, they are so deep, and they are in a situation where I've never seen a team in college basketball play like this as much together. I mean, these guys are, they do everything. I mean, it's not like, I guess it's like a regular basketball team, but, you know, the way that they gel, the way that Admiral and Grant are just best friends on the court and they see each other wherever they are at and they can find the open pass. You know, this team to me has stood out in a lot of ways, but I'll say this, the assist have been what have, has really stepped out to me and have been like, okay, this team gets it. And they're running the offense that Rick Barnes wants them to run. They're not just out there, you know, trying to do it all on their own. The defense, they get it. They're locking down. When you have players like, you know, John Fulkerson coming off the bench that can slip in there for Kyle Alexander or even Grant Williams, who's, he's had a problem with fouls. And so has Admiral Schofield. I mean, let's not forget, I mean, Admiral and Kyle Alexander, they had four fouls with eight minutes remaining in the Florida game. So mm-hmm. you look at this and the way this team has been able to step up at certain spots, I think this team is primed for a, a March run. Now, I do think they're probably going to lose two games in the SEC this year. I think the conference is that good, but they're going to be able to make a run here. And I think Rick Barnes has got himself such a leadership-filled type ball club that I think even, you know, if people want to knock on Rick Barnes, that's fine. But I don't think you're going to be able to knock on these players. Yeah, and Ubbin's argument, and since he went to this well with me last week, I've looked into it and thought about it. I think he's right, is not just the depth, but the fact that this team can afford an off night from any one guy because of other guys picking up the slack. I mean, there's six dudes right now in double figures average scoring this year. So if Jordan Bone has an off night, Grant Williams could go for 30 that night. Lamonte Turner might not have it that night, but Schofield's going to go off. And if you get the perfect situation where three or four of those guys are all really feeling it, nobody wants to play that team, right? No, we look at what happened with the Arkansas. Right. Admiral Schofield had zero points in the first half, and Tennessee's putting up 50 points. I mean, that he played around four minutes. I mean, he had one shot attempt. He comes back in the second half, he calms down, he stops fouling as much, and he's sitting there and he knocks off 12 straight. So it just goes to show you that, yeah, other guys are able to step up here on the squad and, and pick up the slack in certain spots. And, you know, even I keep going back to, you know, Cal Alexander is such a big force when it comes to the defensive rebounding. Uh, if I looked right, he, he's third in defensive rebounding this year. The way that he's been able to set up this team and, and fill a gap, uh, it's been really fun to watch. And I think it just goes to show you again, 
A, how deep this team is, but B, how much they just they trust each other. And I think that's really starting to show. We're going to get into the meat of the conference schedule here very soon uh, with Alabama coming up this weekend. You know, and I think they put up more of a, a little bit of a challenge than per se what Arkansas has thrown up. But I'm just when you when you look at these guys, the way Rob Lanier and this strength staff. And even Rick Barnes has been able to coach these guys and demand the best from them. Uh, I think it's going to go a long way. And, and let's not forget this, too. These guys put just as much pressure on each other as Rick Barnes does on them. SEC hoops as a whole, Kermit, he's done a really nice job at Ole Miss, and none of us are surprised that have lived in this area and watched what Kermit Davis was able to do at MT for as long as he did. Not Cal's best Kentucky team, but still a very talented team. You got Bryce Drew here, took another L last night, going through some real tough nights with Vanderbilt, and the schedule's about to get harder. Florida doing enough to concern you, especially when they make 765,323s <laughs> like they did in the first half against Tennessee this past weekend. Pretty strong league, though, this year. Like This is a, this is a very talented group, and I didn't even mention Auburn there. Uh, there's a lot to like about SEC basketball, and you're going to be tournament-tested come March just because of the conference schedule this year. Yeah, even look at, look at the LSU squad right? You know, that, that's come out and playing good basketball and, and, and hit Hermit. I mean, I'm sorry, Kermit Davis with that loss. And, and look, I, I think you know Auburn, the performance they had at A&M on the road, there's a bunch of teams that are deep, and there's a bunch of teams that are sitting around that mark of, okay, we're a good basketball team here. Uh, maybe we can be better. And you look at a Florida squad, you know, they're trying. I mean, right. I just don't think White right now has brought in enough talent for them to succeed because they can't score in the paint. Like, that's Florida's problem. They can score all they want from the perimeter. And if they go cold, things are going to go the other direction. They can't score in the paint. You look around the country, it's kind of the same problem that George is having. You know, it's hard for them to get in the paint. Kentucky was able to expose that this past weekend. I, even with the Wildcats here, look, Kentucky always seems to have this problem where, you know, it's going to take them two months to gel. But when they start gelling, that's mm-hmm. when the problem starts. And I think when you look at the Wildcats, they do have the perimeter players. They do have the guys in the post. But I think it's also been about, you know, Calipari letting these guys get out there and, and do their thing, um, I, they're not going to be as well connected together, you know, as per se other teams that have been with, you know, three, four years in the program. But once Cal's able to calm these guys down, get them to play the kind of basketball he wants them to play and not just be about themselves, yeah, Kentucky's going to make a run at it. And, you know, it, it hasn't been too surprising because I thought the SEC was deep coming into this year and, and looked no further than Mississippi State. I know they had a rough week, you know, last one, but but overall, this is a basketball team that that can make a a nice little run at the SEC tournament uh, towards the end of the year. But you're going to see teams, you know, this this could be a year where the the league champion has you know three losses, you know, and the rest of the conference is stacked up around five or six losses. Like it, I could just see it being that type of year. And look, there's talent all around, and I think the main competitors right now for Tennessee when it comes to the SEC, it's going to be the norm. It's going to be Auburn, and it's going to be Kentucky. I just don't know how much, oh, how long Ole Miss is going to be able to continue this nice little spurt. So uh, I, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt, 
uh, unfortunately for them, right. once Darius went down, it just they can't figure out the point guard situation. And when you can't figure out that, you're going to have problems. More coming up on the other side with Trey Wallace. He's at Trey Wallace underscore on Twitter. I got one more theory about the Vols hoops that I want to run by Trey. And then we're going to talk some football, both in Knoxville and in the SEC. And I want to get his take on Jalen Hurts. That's all still to come. Big Six rolls along next here on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Thursday in Music City. Welcome back. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Thanks for joining me. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Still talking to my good buddy Trey Wallace, host the popular show It's Optional down in Knoxville, Tennessee. Talked a lot of Vols hoops. Got one more question for him. You can follow Trey, by the way, on Twitter at TreyWallace underscore. One thing that I told David Ubbin last week, and I've told a few other people that the same thing this week is, I almost think it's better for Tennessee that they're not hitting number one. They're still somehow under the radar, despite how good they are. I'm sitting there watching PTI around the horn or whatever, and they're talking about Duke, and they're talking about Michigan, and they're talking about the teams that you would expect them to be talking about, and just kind of not even mentioning Tennessee. And when you look at these guys that love playing with each other so much, that are so likable, that are selling out all these games uh, at TBA, to me that almost adds the we've-got-to-continue-to-do-this factor and it's it's kind of a it's not a negative chip on the shoulder. It's just kind of a yeah. Well, we're going to show you how good we actually are. And I think if you find that number one ranking, you can start to believe in your own hype. Now, I think these kids are better than that, but it's almost to me better if they sit there in that two or three range and continue to not be talked about while they keep winning basketball games. No, and and I agree. I'm kind of back and forth on this one, Jason, because. I look at it from one side, you know, they win Saturday, let's say, and then Michigan loses to Wisconsin. You know, that that would put Tennessee, I think, at number one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in my eyes. And, 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 but but I get it, though. I mean, on one hand, you're able to go sell yourself to anybody and everybody and walk into any school say, hey, look, we're number one Tennessee. You know, you could, you could spend a week there or two weeks there, you know, if you continue to win and be able to have that for your program, that, hey, we reached this level during this season. We are the top team in college football. I mean, basketball, I'm sorry. But when you look back on it and and you look at the other side, I kind of agree with you where if you sit around that three spot for the whole year, three or four spot, you're you're not you're not fully going in on it where these players – I know that they won't buy into it. I, I don't think that's that type of group. But also, like you said, you do kind of want to play. Okay, we're sitting on the outside. We're still creeping around. We'll catch somebody by surprise towards the end of the season. Like I, you know, I could go both ways with it. But I think you know, not being number one in the country uh, could go lots of ways for them as well, uh, where potentially they don't they don't buy into everything that will come their way because you know it'll be nonstop. Sports Center, SEC Network, yep. everybody in the country talking about this. You'll have 15 more writers come out of the woodwork and want to come to Knoxville for games. It will be an added pressure. I think if you sit back at the two to three spot, I think you're kind of relieving that pressure a little bit, and you're still able to go out there, uh, be excited about it, but just continue to play your own game without having to worry about, you know, oh, my gosh, are we going to drop if we lose one? Yeah, and that's the thing is if you're number one, I don't think 
the worst thing that possibly happen is you you're number one and then three days later you lose a basketball game. Like that's that's what you don't want. And unlike college football, you don't have to finish in the top four to get a shot. Once you get to March, it's zero and zero for everybody. And then it's whoever wins six games wins the national championship. So it's not like Tennessee's not going to be a one or two seed, depending on how things go for the rest of the season. I just I kind of like the idea that they're just barely they've got that carrot in front of them and it hasn't changed. Now there's a bigger carrot in Knoxville in terms of the football team and a lot of room for progression, but yeah. Jim Cheney's back and you're down there. What was the perception among your audience and, and the folks that you've talked to and you yourself and your colleagues as to that hire? Personally, I like it a lot. I think it makes a whole lot of sense. I, a lot of people thought it was a coup and, and uh, from Georgia with everything going on down there. I, I kind of looked at it in a way of, okay, Kirby and Jim, you know, might not have been the whole best of situations here, but he's still one of the top coordinators in this conference. And and I think Jim Cheney wanted to come back to Tennessee where he could, you know, coach, you know, be a high level coach for the next, you know, three to five years, and then he can retire. And and I think it was a, a comfortable spot for him that he loves the area. People are very excited to have him just because of everything he's done with the quarterbacks that he's been around. Right. And especially the offenses and being able to capitalize on a run game. But my biggest thing was, too, in talking with some folks down in Georgia and especially here in Tennessee, is that he's able to work an offense around what he has. And I think that's going to be key for Tennessee over the next two years. You need somebody to come in that not going to, you know, no knock on Tyson Helton, but he tried to do a lot. When he didn't, uh, when he didn't really have the pieces here to do that, and I think what you have with Jim Cheney is somebody that's going to understand. Okay, maybe we're lacking a little bit on the offensive line, but we'll figure out a way to get this ball out in space, get our running backs out in space, and make plays happen. Like I think he's going to understand the type of offense that he had. And I don't know if he takes a job if he didn't believe that he could do it. You know, and that and that's the key thing. It's not like he's coming up here just to take a paycheck. I think he understands what he has to do with Garantano. You know, you've got Brian Maurer, you've got J.T. Shroud. You can figure out what you're going to do at quarterback until 2020 quarterback Harrison Bailey comes in. But I think overall, the excitement level has been like, oh, okay, we stole one here. And I would I would agree with that, Sim. So another guy, I don't know that you stole him because when I heard this, I was less than <laughs> surprised. But – you know, my partner on the Tennessee tailgate show, Joey Kent, was the guy that showed T. Martin around Knoxville and talked him out of staying in the state of Alabama and coming to Tennessee to play football. And T. Martin loves the Vols. And T. Martin really wanted to, you know, he wanted a shot at that gig that Pruitt ended up getting or he wanted to be looked at and taken seriously. T. Martin, I look at, and the one thing you know about him is he can bring people in and he's going to be part of the recruiting trail. Kids, young men enjoy you know, his attitude, and he's able to sell the program very effectively. Now, we know Jeremy Pruitt also is a solid recruiter. I think T. Martin is an interesting hire. He's still got a ways to go on the sideline game, but I think he's got time to get there. And I look at it, and I think if he's with Jim Chaney for, I don't know how long you're thinking Jim Chaney might be there before he decides to ride off in the sunset, T. Martin could just be waiting right there in the wings and have learned a whole lot about the things that he's still a little shaky on and then could turn out to be a great OC in a few years. I agree, and I'll, and I'll start by saying this. So 
T. Martin and Jeremy Pruitt had conversations, and they dated back you know, around three weeks ago. And the conversation I had somebody with somebody on the West Coast last week was that, okay, look, Jeremy Pruitt just wants to get T. Martin in the door right now. Get him in the door at Tennessee, mm-hmm. then we'll figure out where to put him. Like they, look, yeah, it was the perfect timing for T to come back. He made the decision based on his family, uh, on where he was at with his heart, where he wanted to coach at. He could, look, he could have gone to Alabama, could have gone to Maryland. You know, Auburn was even talking to him. Vanderbilt, you know, reportedly offered him the offensive coordinator position. So you, you look at what he decided to do, and I think it was just time. Like it was just time for T. Martin to come back. And the best, I think the best part about this is he's not coming back in an offensive coordinator role where he's going to catch scrutiny every week if something doesn't go right. He's coming back to Tennessee in a position coach, once they figure out where that's at, where he's not under the gun the whole time, and he can actually enjoy being back in Knoxville and being back on campus and being back around the people uh, that, that endear him so much. So I think there were a lot of factors in him coming back after talking with folks and him that, that made this thing uh, just too worthwhile to turn down. And I think you'll see over the next couple of days, you know, uh, uh, a position that's put on him within the university. But you can't underline. He, he's a great recruiter, probably one of the top recruiters when it comes to guys in the South, what he was able to do with talent coming to USC. He's going to go hit up the Mobile, Alabama pipeline, his hometown. Uh, he'll hit the Gulf Coast up. You see how much talent – it flows the way of Auburn and Tennessee. Well, now you're a coach, but then you also won a national championship with that school. That's going to be an easy sell yeah. to me. Like you can you, you can go out now. You go out and sell the program now from the eyes of a former national championship winner, not somebody that's just hired into a program for two or three years to coach a position and then they leave. This guy's heart was in Knoxville, and and it's good to see. We'll see how it pans out, but I think you're on to something. You know, three, four years, you know, take over as OC, and then you cement your legacy as a coach at the university. Trey Wallace, host of It's Optional down in Knoxville, at Trey Wallace underscore to follow him on Twitter. i got to ask you about Jalen Hurts. Maybe the hottest take I've had, if you want to say it's a hot take, came yesterday on my show when I suggested Jalen Hurts has made a gigantic mistake in choosing Oklahoma, and there is nobody that I want to root for more than Jalen Hurts, who I just have the utmost respect for. But I, when I look at it, I see him replacing two Heisman Trophy winners, the, the two most accurate passers in the history of college football. And the reason that he is available to go somewhere else is because he couldn't stay on the field over the last year because he couldn't throw the football as well as the guy that replaced him. And that bothers me for Jalen Hurts in that if he goes to Oklahoma, Trey, and he wins 10 games, they're not going to be thrilled with him, meaning the fan base down there, because of what they've gotten. Lincoln Riley and what he usually commands is you've got to be accurate, you've got to be mobile, you've got to get the ball out of your hands very quickly, you've got to be a pinpoint-level passer. And they just had Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and I look at Jalen Hurts and I think, Let's say Jalen Hurts throws 35 touchdowns. He's never thrown 30 in his career. Those two guys threw 42 and 43 over the last two seasons and threw for nearly 4,500 yards apiece. Baker was over 45 with 4,600. I just I feel like Jalen Hurts has put himself in a situation where he cannot win 
because I don't think Oklahoma's going to be able to beat Alabama or Clemson. And I think maybe they lose one more game with Jalen Hurts as quarterback, even as much of a winner as he is. I know I'm, I feel negative on this, but I also think I'm right. How do you feel about Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma? No, and, yeah, look, and I, I'm starting to agree with you. The more I, the more I look into it, the more I break down Oklahoma and, and look at the roster, the more I tend to agree that I think it would have been more beneficial for him to go spend another year with Mike Loxley at Maryland. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, you know, I, I do. You know, look, the team's probably not going to win more than, you know, eight to nine games with a quarterback like that. I think Mike Loxley could do something. But when you do have a quarterback like Jalen that can make plays with his feet and at certain times make plays with his arm, He's not, you know, he's not going to go out there and throw 300 yards per game on you. Um, but I think you're, I think you're in a situation where, okay, cool. Let me go up here and do this. Uh, let me go play around these guys, get better at my craft, and then we'll see what happens. In Oklahoma, you're in the spotlight from day one. And, and, and right when he wrote his, his players' tribune or whatever it was yesterday, you know, and decided to go to Oklahoma, it's like, okay, we expect national championship now. And that's going to be what's coming from the fans. And the problem is going to be is that Oklahoma does play in a conference where teams are going to put up a lot of points. Can Jalen Hurts lead an offense that's going to go and put 45 to 50 points? See, I don't think so, Trey. Right. I know. That's the thing. Like, that's what tripped me out the most about him going to Oklahoma is like, okay, you're going to a Big 12 conference where they're going to expect 40 to 50 points per game from you. And I don't know if Jalen Hurts can do that, and I think he's setting himself up for failure. I'm the, look, I'm the biggest Jalen Hurts fan. The story Second biggest. Will, I'm will, the biggest will, fan, Trey. Right. There you go, then. And the story will go down is one of the coolest stories that I've ever seen in college football. But the problem with me is, is that I think he's setting himself up too much. And, look, maybe he loves a challenge, and I understand that. Sure. But it was a big shock when he decided not to go with somebody he's been so close with, with Loxley, I don't think he's going to be able to live up to the Kyler Murray and the Baker Mayfield hype. I think he's going to be good, but it, if he's good, yeah. then he's not good enough because of what right. he's replacing. And that's what Oklahoma's going to expect. That's what their fans are going to expect. We expect great content from you. You always bring it. At Trey Wallace underscore, host of It's Optional down in Knoxville. Everything rolling for you, buddy. Man, I'm just uh, I'm living the dream just like you are. And a lot of hard work and dedication that goes into it. Sometimes you get to sleep, but uh, as of right now, I kind of don't want to wake up and uh, we'll continue this thing on, man. It's always a privilege to come on you with you in Nashville, man, and I hope you guys have a great evening. I would say good luck to your Saints, but I can't stand the Saints, so <laughs> I, <can't. laughs> I just Who can't that, do Jason? it. Oh, man. I, someday I'm going to have to get you on just to talk for 20 minutes of, as to whether or not you like Sean Payton and how you could possibly like Sean Payton. That, that'll be I, don't know how that, I don't know how that conversation would go, buddy. That'll be a topic for another day. That's Trey Wallace. We'll be right back with more. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Taking you home on a Thursday here in the Music City. Welcome back. This is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin, your host. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. So one day, I revealed to you that my pop culture side is going to expand again. Several of you had emailed or sent messages asking 
you know, where is Outkick the Culture, which is the podcast I was doing when I was working in the Outkick brand exclusively for Clay Travis over the past couple of years. And, well, you know, I'd always thought somehow it would come back, but I also laid out some of the challenges that now exist in terms of my faith and some of the content that I used to review that I'm no longer okay with watching. And so I'm going to have to make some concessions and make some decisions at times. And sometimes I'm probably going to plow through and watch some stuff. But I said that the Pop 6 was coming. That's going to be the name of the new podcast through the 104.5 The Zone uh, website and through all your podcasting channels as well. The Big 6 brand expanding. It's been asked of me in the building. It's been asked of me outside the building, and I'm blessed that people would care enough that they would want that content, so I'm bringing it back. So in this final segment, I'm going to give you a little bit of a taste of what you can expect from the Pop 6. And I've done this, actually, as part of the Outkick the Culture show before. I don't think I've ever talked about it here. Maybe I've even talked about it in an interview with, like, Midday 180 or something when I was sitting in. Not an interview, but just a time when I've been in. But... Rather than sit here and try to review something for you, and I, I gave you a little bit on True Detective, and I could talk about some things here. And we're going to do more pop culture on this show as well, especially once football season is over. But there's a concept I came up with years ago, and I think it's something that you could think about and something I think everybody could stand to have in their life. And it's what I like to call the red show versus the blue show theory. Just something I came up with, and I, you know, you can take this wherever you want. But... When you look at red shows and blue shows, the way that I see them, a red show is a show where you've got to pay very, very close attention to what's happening. You have to be in the right mood because it has the tendency to affect your mood, usually a heavier show. I see it kind of like a stop sign. Whereas I, before I sit down to watch a red show, I got to make sure that I am prepared for what the red show is going to bring me. That's something like Mad Men or Breaking Bad, or The Wire, or The Sopranos, or Deadwood, or The Shield. Things that are heavy in content and require something of its audience more so than escapist entertainment would. You can escape into these worlds, but these worlds are going to envelop you. And if you've got a phone in your hand, or if you've got you know, a laptop in your hand, or you're holding a conversation with a couple of people in the room... The red show is going to go past you. You're not going to get what you need to get out of it. Now, a red show is certainly usually the one that's going to win most of the awards. But what you need to have in your life, in my opinion, is a blue show. Or several blue shows. Blue shows are things that can just be on in the background of your life. Like when you're cleaning the house, what do you put on to watch? Maybe you listen to music. And that could be your escape. To me, and I, you can say, well, I've got the news on. To me, that's not a blue show. The news and politics and all the pundits and opiners that are out there now, that to me is anything but an escape. I try to escape from that world. I used to endeavor right on into that and loved all the politics and all the opinions, and now I just don't care. I have mine, but that is not conducive in, in many respects to the environment that I want to create within my own sphere. So, you know, the old Blue Sky USA Network shows is what they used to be called. The Burn Notice, The White Collar, The Monk, uh, The Covert Affairs. Like, there would be some drama in those shows, but usually it had a happy ending. That's why it was called a Blue Sky show. Something you could always watch. It wasn't going to affect your mood. You liked these characters. You liked Adrian Monk. You liked Michael Weston. You liked Fiona. You liked 
Peter Burke and Neil Cafferty and Eric Caffrey and all of the folks that that made those shows. And then you've got your comedies that are also classified in that same way, and that's your your Parks and Rec or your How I Met Your Mother or your Friends or your Seinfeld or whatever it is. And there are some shows that I think as comedies that you cannot include in this. And some of those are really popular. Some people can watch The Office all the time. I can't because it's so awkward and cringeworthy, it makes it hard to watch. I feel the same way about Curb Your Enthusiasm. They're both brilliant, but I can only take so much of them. And if it's a situation where I can say I can only take so much of this at a time, I have to take this in doses, then it's not a blue show. Something that's on in the background, The Office requires a little bit too much of me. And sometimes it's just the cringe factor is off the charts. And I'm not saying that's a negative. I'm saying it's hard to watch Scott's Tots. And you know exactly what I'm talking about if you've ever seen it. It's why I think Parks and Rec is the better show from The Office because Parks and Rec took The Office and then removed The Awkward. Everything that The Office, I thought, got wrong in terms of Jim and Pam having manufactured drama or whatever happened with Ed Helms and Ellie Kemper's characters, they continued to create drama to fill these seasons when things were kind of starting to move in the right direction. And generated drama to fill episodes, to me, is bothersome. And then you look at Parks and Rec and what happened. Once you put Leslie Nope and Ben Wyatt together... Michael Schur just let them be happy and wrote around their happiness. When April Ludgate and Andy got married, again, they were always happy. This was a show where the writing was funny, but it didn't rely on the drama. I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine is another very good example. Once they put... Sandberg and Fumero together in a relationship, you leave it alone. You don't just try to find reasons to nitpick around it to keep the story alive. There was nothing for Jim and Pam to do because we all wanted to see them get together. And once they got together, there really was no draw there. Their story arc was finished. So they had to keep on trying to find ways to make it interesting. So they had them argue and they had problems. And I know that's realistic, but that's not what I wanted in a comedy. It's one of the reasons I thought The Office ran too long and definitely should have ended in the airport when Carell and Jenna Fisher took off their microphones and spoke off because that was basically the end of the documentary right in front of you. That was the entire show was a documentary, a mockumentary deal. There was a real moment where you saw that crossover and you saw a natural endpoint. And then they went a couple of seasons after that that they shouldn't have, although they got the finale right. But you need some kind of blue show. For me, some some of the 30 for 30s, the lighter 30 for 30s qualify. Those USA Network shows I mentioned qualify. Parks and Rec qualifies. Seinfeld, most of Seinfeld qualifies. There are things like that. And then there are always a couple of movies that you go to. Home Alone is one that I like to go to a lot. The Big Short has actually become one, even though it's a little bit heavier. I'm just fascinated by the financial world and especially just the the corruption and, and trying to understand that universe a little bit better. So that makes the list for me. Dark Knight, I'd be curious to know what your list is. What are your blue shows? What are your go-tos when you just want to escape? Things you already know by heart. You can clean the house. You know, you can make dinner, and you know that that's in the background, and it's good. Maybe it's sports for you. Sports, to me, doesn't qualify either. It's continuous. And that, folks, is kind of where we go when we start talking about the Pop 6. I review things in detail, just like I do over at the Big 6 blog, 1045thezone.com slash Big 6 blog. A lot of content coming from the pop culture side. I appreciate all of those that reached out that wanted me to bring this content back and I'm incredibly humbled that you would care. 
And so I'm going to do everything I can to make it worth your while. You can subscribe to it just like you can this show and all zone podcasts through your podcast catcher of choice. We want to make it available to when you want it and how you want it. Probably next week will be the first episode and it's going to be a lot of fun. So the pop six is coming your way. And before we let you go, let's make you smarter. I don't know if you knew this, but James Harden can really score the basketball. Pretty much unguardable. That's according to all-time greats, not just me. That step back's next level. If you get close to him, he's going to draw a foul. In the past two games, he scored 115 points. And this that number's just absurd, but this one's even more absurd. 115 points in the last two games. Of those 115, zero have been assisted on. Yeah, he can get his own shot. Good gracious. Zero assisted out of 115 points. Fox Sports Radio is next. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless, saying goodnight.